Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In our study in the book of Romans... Paul, you know, has been building a series of questions and answers. And Paul has been uh, building theology. He's been building his theology. And he began, give me your attention, he began building his theology. He began in a good place by accusing all mankind of being sinners. We're all sinners. And he started with the heathen, and then he moved to the hypocrite. If you've been with us, you know. And then he moved to the Hebrew, and he said that everyone was under sin. Everyone is guilty and in need of salvation by grace through faith. Everyone is in need of justification. Everyone has sinned, Paul said. And because everyone has sinned, the Bible teaches that God sent his son into the world to die for the sins of men. And if we would believe in that and trust in that, then we can be saved and forgiven of our sin. And God's grace will abound towards you. Paul has pointed out where grace, where where sin abounds, grace did even much more abound. Now go with me, if you will, to chapter 6 and verse 1, because I want to take a look at that. Before we move any further, chapter 6 and verse 1, are you looking at it? If you're looking at it, say amen. Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What does it say in verse 2, saints? That's right. Certainly not. God forbid in the Hebrew pardon me, in the Greek language, it says, no way, Jose. It's there. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. And then, give me your attention, Paul then begins to deal with the fact that when you become a Christian, you are dead to sin, but alive to God. This is important. When you become a Christian... You are dead to sin. You are freed from sin. We are free from the power and the penalty of sin. In other words, you don't have to sin because God's given you his Holy Spirit and given you power over that sin. And you're free from the penalty of sin because the penalty of sin is what? Death. Amen. We are free from the power and the penalty of sin. Well, not only are we free from the power and the penalty of sin in chapter 6, but we're free from the law. 
which takes us to chapter 7. Now, look at chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Well, that was cool. Y'all said it just like me. Y'all said amen. I don't know. Chapter 7 and verse 1. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. See, you did it again. (laughs) Or do you not know in verse 1, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he what? Lives. For the woman, and notice in verse 2, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband As long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives in verse three, she marries another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. You're with me so far. Therefore, my brethren, You also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in my body parts, my members, to bear fruit to death. But now, that was then, this is now. We have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in what saints? The newness of the spirit and not in the what? The oldness of the letter. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Paul says, brothers, don't you know that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? Now, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. The overarching principle around chapter 7 is simply this. The law only has jurisdiction or authority over a person as long as that person is alive. This is the whole of chapter 7, if you will. The law only has jurisdiction or authority over a person as long as that person is alive. For example, if a drunk driver gets into a horrible car accident and dies, the police officer comes on the scene, he takes some notes, he gets all the facts. The police officer doesn't give the deceased a ticket. Are you with me? Why? Because he's dead. Because the law doesn't have authority over him. Why? Because he's dead. So Paul starts out this section, notice, with a very basic truth. When you're dead, you're not under the law anymore. And then in verse 2 and 3, are you listening? He then gives us a cultural illustration, if you will, of when a man dies, he is no longer under the law. And Paul uses marriage and death to illustrate. And Paul puts marriage and death together, not me. I'm just being clear. 
Paul puts marriage and death together and he uses that to illustrate that when a man dies, he's no longer under the law. Notice in chapter 7, look at verse 2. You got to see this. Paul says, a woman who has a husband is bound. Listen, single sisters, listen, single sisters, listen. A woman who has a husband is bound. You know, single sisters. Where are my single sisters at? Okay, good. About three of them. Three of y'all. All right. I developed this whole section for three people. It's all right. Single sisters, listen. Wait. And be patient. You know, so often I, I want a husband. I want to get married. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I've been married for 25 years. I want this to go on record. I love being married. It's been a blessing in my life. And I don't know what I would do without my wife. But that's because I know that God gave me that woman. But you don't want to be married to someone God didn't give you. Somebody need to say amen. You let me. Y'all make me take off my glasses. <laughs> you don't want to be married to somebody because marriage is not wonderful. If you're married to somebody that God didn't give you, be patient. You're, you're single now. Listen, a, a woman that has a husband is bound. Right now, you're free. <laughs> right now, look, you can do what you want, when you want, how you want. You make your own money. You spend it any way you want. You don't have to ask nobody anything. You don't have to do now. Now, keep on clapping. When... <laughs> But when you get married, that's why I said married, when you get married, everything changes. And now you got to, okay, honey, can I buy this? Can I buy that? And now, you, now you're bound, you know, stay free. Amen. Stay free until the Lord gives you something. Then marriage is beautiful and it's wonderful and you don't mind being in bondage. So a woman, notice who has a husband. That was just a freebie. That was kind of inserted there. You know, a woman who has a husband is bound. So now listen, Paul, notice what he's doing here now. Get, get your mind around this. What Paul is doing is he's using a woman because according to the law, get this. Did you know this? A woman had no rights at all. A woman had no right to divorce her husband. She was stuck in that marriage as long as he lived. So if she had a bad husband, she couldn't divorce him. If she wanted to be free from him, she would have to wait for him to die. And if she married another man, then she would be called an adulteress. But if, if, if her husband died, then she would be free from that law and free to marry another. So here's Paul's point. Are you listening? You were married to the law and there was nothing you could do to get away from it. Now, don't you remember we talked about this in the Ten Commandments. Have you been with us on Wednesday evenings? In the book of Exodus, we have learned and have been learning that the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is good. The Bible says that the law, Galatians 3.24, tells us that the law 
is a schoolmaster to teach us that we are sinners. Schoolmaster, that word is pedagogos, a teacher, a guide. The law is a guide so that you can look at your life and see that you can't keep the law and thus it should drive you to Christ. Therefore, the law is good. The law is perfect. The law is good. It's perfect. So, ladies, listen. Let's just pretend that you are married to the perfect guy. I said pretend. Let's just pretend that you're married to the perfect guy and he's flawless in character. He is flawless in looks. He is excellent in health. This guy is totally perfect. I mean, when he wakes up in the morning, his breath is sweet. His hair is combed. He never leaves a toothpaste cap off. Never leaves a toilet seat up. Never leaves his underwear and dirty socks on the floor. This guy is perfect. And he is so perfect, are you listening, that he drives you crazy. Because he never does anything wrong. And because he's so perfect, his perfectness magnifies your imperfections. Well, then you're stuck in this marriage to this perfect guy and you can't divorce him. And the only way out of the perfect marriage is that the perfect hubby would die. But oh, my bad. He's too healthy to die. Poison has no effect on him. You've tried. Well, you can't divorce him. You can't leave him. You can't kill him. What are you going to do? Now, this is exactly what Paul is saying. Listen, the law is perfect. There is nothing we can do to get away from it. And like the woman who is bound, as long as her husband lives, we are bound to the law. And the law was not going to die. The only solution for the woman is that Mr. Perfect must die. And so she wakes up in the morning and he's dead. His hair is combed, but he's dead. Now, notice in verse 4 in your Bible, go ahead and look at it again. Paul flip-flops the whole thing, if you will. And we are the ones who are dead because the law is perfect and it won't die. Now, remember last week I told you if you were with us, everything that happened to Jesus literally, were you here? Everything that happened to Jesus literally happened to us spiritually. He died, we died. He was raised, we have been raised. And because we died, we are free from the jurisdiction of the law. And we are free to marry another. We are free to marry another of a different kind. Heteros is the Greek word. Another of a different kind. When Jesus said in John 16, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, 14 through 16. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus used the Greek word alos, A-L-L-O-S. Alos, and that is another of the same kind. Here is another of a different kind. We're free to marry another of a different kind. You see, Jesus is not the same kind of husband as the law. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus is not the same kind of husband. Now notice in verse 5 in your Bibles, in chapter 7, as you see, in Christ we are made completely new people. We are no longer married to the law, but now we are married to Christ. And because we are married to Christ in verse five and six, 
We are free to live a different way. And this new and different way has freed us to serve God. Are you looking at it in verse 6? That we should serve God in the what? The newness of spirit and not in what? The oldness of the letter. The newness and the oldness spoken of here is not in the sense of time, but it is in the sense of quality. Now that you, this is good news, you need to listen close. Now that we have been freed from law, we are now free to walk in the newness of the spirit. We now have this fresh and new quality of life that we live as Christians. We're not legalists. Some Christians don't get this. They're legalists. Some Christians are inclined to rules and regulations and laws. Listen, we are not bound to rules and regulations and laws. We are believers and we are now free to walk in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You understand? I love that. That means I can be a joyous Christian. Ain't nothing wrong with joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your. I'm amazed at Christians who don't have joy. I, I, I am. I'm just amazed because we need to say to the world that we serve a God who is worthy of our praise, who is worthy of our worship. And we serve a God that no matter what we go through, blessed to be the name of the Lord, that, that we have the joy of the Lord, no matter what we go through, because God is in control and that we know. And we can be joyous Christians, not bummed out Christians. So many Christians are bummed out today, even in the world that we live in today. Christians are just bummed out. How you doing? Fine. How's things going? Great. Got the joy of the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> I call them Eeyore Christians. Y'all remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Oh, well, I'm a Christian. It's so wonderful. Have you accepted Jesus? <laughs> It's like, look, give me a break. If you're going to share the gospel, then share the gospel with some joy. There's nothing attractive about Eeyore Christians. Jesus is good. Really? Well, I wouldn't know it from your life. Look at you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we're free to walk in the newness of the spirit. In the newness of the spirit. Now look at verse 7. i got to move on. Look at verse 7. What shall we say then in verse 7? You're looking at it. Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would have not known covetousness unless the law has said you shall not covet. But sin, underline this, taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. 
Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. So the question, give me your attention, comes up. If the law can't change us or control us, then what good is it? Number one, saints, you're taking notes, you write this down. What good is a law? Number one, it defines sin. The law defines sin. Paul says, if it weren't for the law, I would not have known what sin was. But when the law said, don't do it, Paul saying his own sinful desire said, do it. The law said, don't do it. And his sinful desire said, do it. It's almost like when you post a sign that says, don't touch the wet paint. What happens? There's fingerprints all over that thing. You post a sign that says, don't walk on the grass. What do you see? A trail walking right through the grass. You tell a little kid, don't touch those dials. Do you know you tell a kid, don't touch those dials, you send that kid into trauma? He starts shaking and trembling in his hand. (laughs) Because of his own sinful desires. They want to do what you say not to do. So Paul is saying we are so bad. Listen, Paul says we are so bad that something good makes us worse. And the law is not sin. It brought me to the knowledge of sin. Sin, first of all, the law defines sin. Secondly, not only does the law define sin, but the law, write this down, provoked sin. The law provokes sin. Look at verse 8 in your Bibles. But sin seizing the opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. This phrase, taking opportunity, Literally means taking a starting point. You know, it's almost like a base for military operations. Paul knew sin had a base camp in our souls, which is constantly carrying out missions against us. You know, it's hard enough, listen, fighting your enemy on their soil. But it's even harder to fight against a hidden terrorist in your own country. That's what we're facing right now. We're fighting enemies on their soil, but it's even harder to find terrorists within our own country. That's sin. Sin has a base camp in our hearts. And Paul learned that the law even aroused the evil desires in him. The law condemns. Grace compliments. The law condemns. And it never compliments. Get out there on the 440. All of a sudden you see flashing lights in your rear view mirror. What's the first thing you do? Go to prayer. Speak in tongues. (laughs) Pray. Start checking your seatbelt, checking your speedometer, seeing what's wrong. And so a cop pulls you over. He comes up to the window and he says, you know, I've been watching you for the last couple of miles, and I want to tell you that the way you make those right turns, you are awesome. (laughs) I just want to tell you that, you know, you put your right turn signal on at the right time, and and I've been watching you, and, and, you know, you just do a a, a wonderful job. You're, you're, You're so courteous to people. People cut you off, and you just wave at them and throw them a cookie. I mean, it's... 
And you know, you're just a wonderful driver. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Has that ever happened? No, it doesn't. Why? Because the law, listen, the law condemns. The law doesn't compliment. Jesus compliments. Grace compliments. The Bible tells us and Jesus tells us in the word of God that we are justified, that we are sanctified. And that we will someday, even today, and someday be glorified. We are justified. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? We are just, you know, the day you become a Christian, the moment that you give your life to Jesus, God justifies you at that moment, and you will never be any more justified than you are the second you get saved. Remember, just as if I never sinned, God forgives us, and you are as forgiven as you're ever going to be. It happens at that moment. God justifies us and God sanctifies us. Sanctification is a process. Yeah, we're, we're seeking the Lord. We're reading the word. We're going to church. We're worshiping God. We got Christian friends and we're trying to be more like Christ. And that's the process of sanctification. And then glorification. God sees you right now as sitting in heaven with him. He sees you right now as glorified. God sees you in ways that you don't see yourself. I don't wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, there's glorified Rodney. I'm more horrified, Rodney. But I don't see myself the way that God sees me. You understand what I'm saying? We don't see ourselves that way. But thank God the Bible tells us that he calls those things which be not as though they were. In other words, we're not in heaven yet completely glorified. Say amen if you're listening. We're not in heaven completely glorified. Not yet, but God sees you that way. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.